Africa. Welcome to Daybreak Africa from the Voice of America. I'm James Botti in Washington. Today is Thursday, first day of September, and here are some of the stories we are covering. The UN peacekeeping mission in Mali says 50 civilians were killed and hundreds arrested in central Mali in April. The UN has a very important standard for producing reports of this kind. And so far, even the government has not protested about the content of the report. Afrobarometer survey shows 80% of Malawians fault the current administration. The ICRC gives hundreds of thousands of Somali households monthly relief assistance. Liberia's Environmental Protection Agency chief will discuss dealing with climate challenges and airstrike in Tigray's capital, Mekele, as fighting spreads. The spokesman for the Tigray People's Liberation Front, or TPLF, said on Twitter that at least three bombs were dropped on Mekele, with Mekele Hospital being among the targets. And Cameroon and Gabon demarket their border to reduce poaching in the Congo Basin. Those stories and more are coming up on Daybreak Africa. The United Nations peacekeeping mission in Mali, also known as MINUSMA, says 50 civilians were killed and more than 500 others arrested in central Mali in April. The UN peacekeeping force said in a quarterly report on Wednesday that the incident took place on April 19. That's when Malian troops, accompanied by foreign military personnel, carried out a sweep in Hombori after one of their convoys was attacked with a roadside bomb. The report did not say which foreign military personnel were involved. Senegalese political analyst Ibrahim Akan tells me the killings illustrate the increasing security challenges facing Mali these days. The UN has very, very important standard for producing documents, for producing reports of this kind. So nobody, and so far even the government, has not protested about the content of the report. So it means that uh, every information that is in the report is genuine, is true. But in the other side, the information that they are giving is that they were fighting Islamic group and uh, maybe the condition of the fighting explain the number of deaths. And I think this is not new in Mali because uh, they had previous report not only of the UN but also of the Office of the High Commission through the Special Rapporteur on Mali. And all of them always mention the exaction of uh, the Malian forces on the population and sometimes also the killing of innocent people. Though this is not really new, it just explains the current difficult situation within which the Malian army is operating and the problem that they are facing at the moment with uh, the rebels group. Although the report does not exactly say who did the killing, I have an article in front of me, written this week by the New York Times, which mentioned the involvement of a Russian-affiliated mercenary group called the Wagner Group. What's your view? Yes, it's well known that uh, you have Russian 
that are supporting the Malian army. This was acknowledged by the Russian government and by the Malian government. The Malian government are saying these people are just experts that they are using. The Russians say it's a private company, but we don't know exactly the size of uh, the expert group. We don't know the type of involvement that they are having on the ground, from training to participation to the killing. But what we can say is that uh, every time the army is operating on the ground, population have identified white people who were helping, who were supporting, or who were really collaborating with the Malian army. And the fact that the report didn't go so far tells you about the difficulty the, that even the UN is facing on the ground to collect enough evidence showing that the killing was done by the the Russian. You know, I can even say that it was the same with the French when they were operating. There were a number of massacres uh, that was attributed to the French, but it was quite difficult to say that the French were all behind it because the context within which they were done, the places they were done, and it was places where Malian and French armies were operating, so it was quite difficult. What does this report me or said about the uh, security situation in Mali? Well, this latest report, given the number of people killed, the place where the killing occurred, tells a lot about the difficulty that the Malian army is facing on the ground now. Ibrahim Makan is a Senegalese political analyst. He was speaking with us from the capital, Dakar. Authorities in Ethiopia's Tigray region have reported a fresh airstrike in the capital, Mekele, that they say hit near a hospital and a center for displaced people. Meanwhile, Ethiopia's federal government said in a statement that fighting has spread to the rest of Tigray, near the border with Sudan. Henry Wilkins reports from Hawassa, Ethiopia. Kiprom Gebrselassie, the chief clinical director at Mekele's Ada Referral Hospital, said on Twitter that there was a drone attack close to midnight Wednesday near Mekele General Hospital. He said casualties were arriving at Ada Hospital without giving details. Meanwhile, Getachew Rader, a spokesman for the Tigray People's Liberation Front, or TPLF, said on Twitter that at least three bombs were dropped on Mekele, with Mekele Hospital being among the targets. He said there were no conceivable military targets in the area where the attack took place. Due to a telecommunications blackout in Tigray, it was impossible for VOA to confirm the accounts or learn the extent of the casualties. On Wednesday morning, the Ethiopian government issued a statement saying the TPLF had invaded the Amhara region near the border with neighbouring Sudan. Raider denied the allegation, saying the government of Prime Minister Abiy Ahmed is making up stories. A five-month ceasefire in Ethiopia's civil war came to an end last week, dashing hopes for peace talks. Each side has blamed the other for the renewed fighting. Meanwhile, Sudan's government has summoned Ethiopia's ambassador to Khartoum over an assertion he made that the Ethiopian military shot down a plane carrying weapons from Sudanese airspace. Sudan says the allegation was unfounded. Henry Wilkins, VOA News, Hawassa, Ethiopia. 
The International Committee of the Red Cross is giving hundreds of thousands of households in Somalia monthly payments intended to provide emergency relief to people forced out of their homes by the severe drought. ICRC spokesperson in Africa, Ayona Sinako, tells viewers Carol Van Dam that while the drought has lasted through four straight rainy seasons, South and Central Somalia are also affected by a protracted armed conflict and rising food and fuel prices. Right now, we have uh, 150,000 families. They received this first payment. It's the first in a series of monthly payments. What is each family getting? They are getting $90. So this $90 is based, like it's calculated uh, based on the minimum food basket for Somalia. And then when I was listening to the interviews, uh, it was quite, uh, I was quite surprised to see how people use the money obviously to buy food, uh, to pay debts. Uh, also, because of this situation, many of them, they lost livelihoods and they also, like, they start accumulating debt. One guy, he mentioned that he used $50 to open a small shop. So it's always interesting to see how, like, how people are trying to use this money to be also entrepreneurial and not just think about today, but trying to find medium, long-term solutions and uh thinking about tomorrow as well. Talk a little bit about the factors that led up to this situation for the Somali people, if you would. Well, the first thing that I think we should mention and should not forget that when we, especially when we speak about the southern and central parts of Somalia, we are speaking about 30 years of the ongoing armed conflict. And that's one of the most protracted conflicts in the region. And that is a huge driver behind the food crisis that we are seeing. And then, of course, there are other factors. Now we are in this multi-seasonal uh, protracted drought. Uh, now we are in the fourth, its fourth consecutive season where uh, they haven't received the amount of rains that they were supposed to receive. So the animals are dying, animals are getting sick, people are losing, farmers are losing their harvest because of the drought. And at the same time, there's also these large geopolitical events that are uh, affecting Somalis as well. Like if we, today we have a conflict in Ukraine uh, and that, that led to rising food and fuel prices, uh, the exports of grain have uh, stopped and Somalia is receiving, is largely dependent on the grain, uh, exports of grain from Russia and Ukraine. How many people have been displaced due to drought and conflicts in Somalia? The displacement is uh, continuing, so we have more and more people arriving to the camps for the displaced uh, every day. And that is actually one of the big problems because we registered these families for the cash assistance and we provided them the cash assistance. But, you know, while we are registering families and start uh, sending them money, at the same time, more and more people arriving and that also at the same time, inflation is happening. So you find yourself in this impossible situation, like what do you do where you have to compromise? Do you have more cash? to the people that you're already assistance? Do you have less cash, but you try to reach more people? And that's, uh, these are very difficult compromises that we have to, to make. That's Iona Sonako, Africa Regional Spokesperson for the ICRC. She was speaking with my colleague, Carol Van Dam from Nairobi.
You're listening to Daybreak Africa on the Voice of America. I'm James Butt in Washington. Today is Thursday, September 1st. In Malawi, an Afro-barometer survey which measured public perceptions on governance has found that about 80% of Malawians are unhappy with the administration of President Lastro Chakwera. The survey released Tuesday said that many people said they would vote for the former Governing Democratic Progressive Party, or DPP, if elections were conducted in February. The ruling Malawi Congress Party, or MCP, says it is working to rectify the shortfall Lamek Masina reports from Blantyre. Findings of the survey, which was conducted in February, shows that the DPP would amass over 41% of votes and the MCP 26.4%, while United Transformation Movement Party would get nearly 80%. The report says that four in every 100 Malawians wants the government to focus on fixing the economy before other problems, such as unemployment, salaries and food shortages. The report also shows that 60 in every 100 Malawians believe the economic conditions of the country is very bad. Afrobalometer is a pan-African nonpartisan survey research network that provides data on African experiences and evaluations of democracy and quality of life. Gospel Kazako is government spokesperson. He told a press conference Wednesday that the findings of the survey are an eye-opener and will steer the government into the right direction. Kazago, also Minister of Information, says he believes if the survey was conducted this month, its findings would have been different because a lot has improved. I remember that this report was done in um, February 2022, and we'd like to believe that at that time, yes, Malawians had to react in that way because most of the things that we had in place uh, had not taken shape. And now, if uh, Afrobarometer can do something now, uh, certainly the results will be different. Kazako cited as an example the results of by-elections for local government representatives held early August, where the MCP won two of the contested three wards. George Peel is a political analyst based in northern Malawi. He says it's wrong for the governing MCP to take its victory in recent local government elections as proof of success. They need to know that uh, the votes that went there for them, it is not what they are saying. It is that uh, one, uh, the area is very small. The population that voted was very small. And uh, if you look at the percentage which the Malawi Electoral Commission has uh, tabulated, you do see that high voter apathy was a result of disappointment with the way government is running. He says it's doubtful if MCP will gain people's trust because of its unfulfilled campaign promises. Chakwera's administration has failed to make serious decision on the evaluation of culture and also to deal with the food security in the country on the three meals a day campaign. And the people who were promised cheap fertilizers or farm inputs, they never supplied those farm inputs. However, Gazako says the government understands what people need and is working toward meeting them. Malawians would want their lives to be better. Malawians would want to afford things. We know and we agree with certain uh, aspects of their concerns. For example, uh, certainly the cost of living has gone up. 
uh, and we have always explained the reasons. It's the uh, Ukraine-Russian war. But that's not what we want to continue uh, talking. Kazako says currently the government is on the ground doing life-changing initiatives for voters. These include the construction of roads, stabilization of the economy, and improving the agriculture sector. I am Lamek Masina for VOA News in Blanta, Malawi. The executive director of Liberia's Environmental Protection Agency says the government is doing its best in dealing with the many environmental challenges facing the country, from sea erosion to illegal building on swampy lands to uncontrolled trash in urban areas. Professor Wilson Tape is in the U.S. as part of the Liberian government delegation to negotiate the U.N. Convention on the Sea and Biodiversity Beyond National Jurisdiction. He tells me that the population shift to urban areas has caused some people to illegally build on swampy lands. We have a situation, of course, with the oceans. And so what we have done as a government, a country, is to secure funding to protect vulnerable coastal areas like uh, Buchanan. They did that a couple of years ago. We did with West Point in Town. Now we just secure a $17.2 million grant from the Jeff to build our coastal defense in West Point. Professor Tape, we also are concerned about buildings that are illegally put up near the waters. What about that? Illegal buildings on swampy lands, which I think is also a problem in Liberia, particularly in Monrovia. Jimmy, you, you are right. It's one of our major challenges. Unlawful construction in places that are supposed to be protected by law as well as international conventions. And we have these challenges. But I, I can assure you the EPA, the Environmental Protection Agency, has been doing its best to try to bring that situation under control. But it's a challenge, but we are facing that. Specifically, the wetlands. There is a convention called the Ramsar Convention, which sets aside certain wetlands as protected areas. And Liberia, as a signature to that convention, we are under obligation to make sure that we protect that. But we have a situation where population shift because of the war is causing people to come and build in swamplands. It's a major challenge, but we are dealing with it. What uh, exactly is the government doing to deal with that? Relocation, is that one no. option? No, no, no. It's, uh, relocation, first of all, it's unlawful to build in wetlands. So when we find you building in wetlands, the law requires that we cite you to the EPA for hearing. And consistent with due process, we give you a demerit. It will be in the form of, okay, you're going to have to stop the construction, demolish it. But if we find that the construction can be done in a sustainable way, we ask for a plan to be submitted to the EPA. And with the EPA involvement, we can redesign it where that particular construction it can be done without disturbance to the ecosystem. And if we found that you did it without the EPA's concern and it cannot be mitigated, meaning remediated, to mean that we try to restructure it, we demolish it. Dr. Tape, I haven't been to Monrovia for a couple of years now, but I think the last time I was there, my observation was the issue of this uh, uncontrolled, particularly in the urban area like Monrovia, this is something that Many people think, even the ordinary person thinks, is a threat to public health. I'm sure this falls under your purview. Yes, somehow, but directly it is the, the municipal government, which is in the case of Monrovia, the Monrovia City Corporation. In the case of Pinsville, it's the Pinsville Corporation. In the case of the Nikutan area, that's the borough of Nikutan. But we work together as interagencies because all of that poses a threat to the environment. The challenge is the number of people in the city and the logistics available to do that. 
But if you look at it, Jimmy, also the common man is actually the problem. Some of them are the problem. So we continue to, to, to increase the level of awareness. If you live in an environment, you cannot dirty the place. You cannot contaminate it and expect the government to come and lift it. For instance, you build your house. Behind it, there is a gutter for water to flow. You take that and you put it in there and expect the government to do. No, you are not supposed to dump it. There is a dumping site for that to go for it to be collected. Again, there is, is a challenge because the quantity of, of solid waste that we generate and the quantity that we can get rid of as a municipal government or whatever the case is, is overwhelming on the side of the bill-up. Professor Tape, thank you so much. It's a pleasure talking with you. James, thank you very much. It's good talking to you. Thank you so much for the opportunity. Professor Wilson Tape is the Executive Director of Liberia's Environmental Protection Agency. You are speaking with us from New York City. Officials from Cameroon and Congo-Brazzaville have agreed to demarcate their 100-year-old border to reduce border communities' disputes over forestry and wildlife. The deal follows similar agreements with Gabon in May and the Central African Republic in June. Conservationists say having better defined borders will help crack down on wildlife poaching that has plagued the Congo Basin. Moki Edwin Kizeka reports from Yaoundé, Cameroon. Congo, Brazzaville, and Cameroon say they want to make their common border an instrument of peace and shared development and stop potential border communities' rivalry over natural resources. Jacques Esisongo is Congo, Brazzaville's Director General of Territorial Administration. On admit that this first reunion des experts en matière de frontières. Esisongo says experts from Cameroon and Congo who are meeting in Yaoundé are members of the Technical Subcommission in charge of border demarcation. He says the experts must lay the groundwork for an effective and efficient demarcation of the over 460-kilometer Cameroon-Congo border. Esisongo said according to the document signed in Berlin, Congo and Cameroon share a 140-kilometer land border and over 320 kilometers of maritime and fluvial boundary. Paul Atanganji, Cameroon's Minister of Territorial Administration, led the country's delegation to the border demarcation meeting. Nji says from Yaoundé, experts will move to the border to make sure that demarcation begins within the shortest possible time. The experts will go to the field to mark the pillars and to give a comprehensive report on all the border issues between the Republic of Cameroon and the Republic of Congo. We have been working closely under the high leadership of the two heads of states. They have given us all the support for us to do our jobs. They have given us all the facilities, and we are very comfortable in exercising this mandate which has been given to us. Nji said their mandate includes planting boundary pillars destroyed by erosion and floods, he said some of the markers were either destroyed by rival communities or crumbled with age. He said Congo and Cameroon have agreed to retrace their border in a way that will satisfy both states. The two countries said they will use the border map drawn by former German and French colonial powers in 1908 as a guiding document. Congo, Cameroon, Central African Republic, Equatorial Guinea, DR Congo, and Gabon belong to the Congo Basin, which the UN says 
is the second largest rainforest in the world. The UN says the Congo Basin teems with unique animal and plant species whose protection is vital in preventing global warming. Cameroon and Congo say demarcation will reduce border community conflicts over natural resources, especially forests and wildlife. Moki Edwin Kinzuka for VOA News, Yawundi, Cameroon. And that's it for this Thursday, September 1st edition of Daybreak Africa. We thank you for joining us this morning. For more Africa news and features, visit our website at voaafrica.com. Connect with us on all social media platforms. We are on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. We are also on YouTube where you can watch our TV shows, Africa 54, Street Talk Africa, and Red Carpet. On behalf of the Daybreak Africa crew, I'm James Button, Washington, saying have a great day. VOA brings you the best in African music on the African beat. African beat showcases the latest and the greatest of contemporary African music, from bobo music to hip life, bonga flavor to sukus, Afrobeat to Dumbolo and Makosa to Kwaito. The African beat on VOA has it all. And it's happening right here, Mondays through Fridays at 09.05 and 20.05 UTC, right after the international news. 